Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to KFI AM 640 on demand. You can't help uh, when it comes to communication, having a breakdown of communication. It's to say that if there is any sort of communication, you're going to have bad communication as well. We've talked about assumptions many times on the show about... Now, people assume things. And misunderstandings is kind of a smaller category of that. Misunderstandings and communication are those things that that happen innocently most of the time. You'll do something or someone else will do something. And then you kind of need two halves to this. You need the person sending out the message and the person receiving the message. So the person who, who sends the message does one thing, could be innocently, and then the person that receives the message receives it either partially or inaccurately or what have you. And then you have misunderstandings. And they happen all over the place. They happen in Scripture, of course. And this breakdown in communication, the reason why it's it's unique, and I wanted to point it out, is that there is something, there's this, this great pride that shadows people when it comes to knowing things, well, I know this, or I just know this. And when it comes to, to knowing the heart of man, you will never be right. There's too much to it. You may uh, have a decent insight and say, oh, okay, well, my perception is this, or it's this, or it's this. But truly, no one knows the heart of man except God. So... One guy says something, the other guy interprets it and goes, oh, well, I think this. And no one ever talks. Just kind of go on and start spreading that that uh, misunderstanding to others. If you've ever seen a, a fight or a scuffle break out between siblings when a mother or father is in the room observing everything. And how just the slightest situation, oh, well, he hit me. Well, no, he didn't hit you. I saw the way it went down. He was backing up from, from getting from the table and backed his chair into you, not knowing that you were there. And the kids are so ready to just say, no, absolutely not. He bumped into me. He, he did that on purpose. And how much like children are you when you come to a conclusion that someone has done you wrong without all the facts. And it seems that uh, because, I don't know, detective shows or television shows where people can know all and come to conclusions faster than anybody else because all things are solved in the 22-minute half hour of of a television program, or, of course, in 45 minutes, should they have commercial breaks and it be an hour. But that's just not the way life is. Not everything is going to be so cut and dry, and there's confusion in life, and communication is a, a, a very wonderful and delicate art at times. 
But if you look at the workplace and even the home and the relationships you're in, how easy it is to be misunderstood and through this misunderstanding, something get buried and then pushed on to someone else and then they push it on to someone else and then they push it on to someone else and it becomes becomes fact just by populace. And Scripture is not keen on that. Specifically, Scripture says in Matthew 18, 15, that if you have an issue of any kind, you're to go to that person and you're to explain your issue and you're going to let them defend themselves or explain or learn from what they did wrong. But it doesn't seem to be in fashion. It doesn't seem to be in vogue to give somebody the opportunity to correct themselves. And so someone will go running off with a misunderstanding. Happens all the time. Corporate America. The perception you hear somebody say part of a sentence or you see somebody do something. Just the other day, I saw uh, two people coming out of one of the studios at uh, the radio station. And they were in a conversation prior to being in the studio and then continued it as they left the studio in a whisper fashion. And the automatic assumption is that, oh, they must be talking about the person that they just saw in the studio. That makes sense. They're leaving the place whispering. Had nothing to do with the person in the studio. I see people in the grocery store who uh, watch somebody who gets in front of them. They think that the person is doing that on purpose when in actuality the person didn't see them or was confused by the way the line is set. And these little misunderstandings may not seem like a big deal to you, but what ends up happening is either hurt feelings come from that or anger uh, festers up because somebody feels that they've done, been done wrong or... Uh, what happens is somebody will defend themselves in their own mind if they perceive somebody is doing something to them by starting some sort of war with that person, whether it be behind the scenes or spreading rumors or what have you. And these misunderstandings can be, can be ugly and damaging. You'd be surprised how much you don't know about the people around you. And so that's part of the beauty of getting to know one another. This spreads in so much. I see wonderful relationships wobbling or uh, taking on you know, horrible, horrible uh, pain because of misunderstanding. And because of people's fear of being rejected, they may not be, you may not be, very prone to ask the tough questions or to uh, you know, really find out if something's going on or if there's a concern. Maybe you don't want to know. But scripture is clear. You go to one another and you talk about these things. The majority of the, of the problems that come from miscommunication can be cleared up very quickly. The secondary problem is that nobody believes each, anybody anymore. So even when you try and correct things, it seems that it gets, oh, okay, yeah, but I still don't believe them. 
And I'm not sure why this is. I'm not sure why once you have something locked inside you, you have some idea of how it went down, that you believe that that's, that's the only way it could go down. This is all throughout Scripture. There's tons of things in Scripture that have the, the, the attitude of misunderstanding. There's things that were, are taught in Scripture that people were taught wrong growing up. And I still assume that it's in Scripture. I hear arguments all the time. You've heard them on this very program where people will call up and say, oh, well, that's because, you know, the apple that uh, Eve ate. Well, there wasn't an apple. It doesn't say anything about an apple. It says fruit. Not a very big misunderstanding, but some people can be. I've heard arguments saying, oh, well, I heard that uh, the Garden of Eden was in Palestine and and... Uh, that's not possible. They don't have apples. Well, yeah, all kinds of, a lot of assumptions that someone has to, to swallow first before they can even make that argument. In logic, they call it a straw man argument. When you build and imagine like a scarecrow, you build a, a false argument, this false person, and then you torch the person. They say, well, that's fine, but that's not even... That's not even a real person. That person's made out of straw. And there's much of that in Scripture where somebody will say, oh, well, there was two of each animal on the ark. Well, no. There were pairs. But sometimes there were more than two of each animal. And uh, people say things like Jonah and the whale. Doesn't say whale. Says big fish. And different things, different stories that, you know, there was three wise men. No, it doesn't say three wise men. Says the magi. There was three gifts, so the assumption is it's three, but not necessarily. You know, people think about the the image of an angel and what an angel looks like or what an angel has and the, the one pair of wings and the harp and the singing. And you're not going to find that in Scripture. So there's things that get built in throughout history or time, and the assumption is this is what Scripture says or what have you, and there's those types of misunderstandings. And all in all, the important thing to do in every case where you think that you might, just one, one tiny little point might be wrong, is take the time to research and take the time to talk it out. Tom, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Hello. You've been so patient. I, I, I recognize that you called last week as well. And you did not get on. I'm so grateful that you are uh, you are patient enough because your call was one that touched me. Well, keep. What's going on? As, as the word says, uh, keep keep seeking and keep knocking. Mm -hmm. the doors. I was a pastor for 21 years. Um, 18 years ago, though, I committed adultery. I did uh, leave the ministry. I repented. I built bridges. Um, I haven't pastored for 18 years now. I'm still with my dear wife of 38 years. But now I have a chance to go back into the pastorate. But I something's nagging at me because biblically, am I permanently disqualified or, or do I have a chance at restoration? Since for the overseer, he is to be blameless and above reproach. Mm -hmm. So I am struggling with biblically can i be a pastor again there is nothing there's nothing in scripture 
that grants that wish, as it were. Uh, I know you're looking for a different answer, Tom, and uh, the the pastor and, and 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 standing before people in that context is one of of great weight, and one that comes up obviously in Scripture, as you quote, uh, in Timothy and Titus. Um, Chuck Swindoll, uh, a well-known author and pastor himself, once said that, uh, talking about this very issue, that it takes only one pin to burst a balloon. And I know that the, the world continually gets more relaxed with things and less offended by things. And therefore they start to go, oh, well, you know, you should be more relaxed on this. And I know you've seen a lot of TV preachers that have fallen away or had situation then just get restored right back. And really that all that does is make Christianity more of a laughing stock. That doesn't mean that there aren't things for you to do. There aren't wonderful um, places for you to be in the church and, and things that you can participate in. But it asks that of scripture specifically um, because that's that's the mindset that a pastor has to be in, to be in that place uh, uh, being above reproach. And it doesn't mean that you can't teach or there aren't ways to teach. Uh, I'm going to ask you to put on, uh, stay on hold, Tom, because I want to talk to you just after this, this, quick, uh, this quick break. But um, I want to talk to you more about what that means and some things that you may be able to do that would uh, fulfill that calling. Tom, thanks for holding on. Yeah, that, uh, bump, that bumper music uh, brought uh, brought me to my knees. That was uh, seemed to speak to my heart. Yeah, that's that's why we have someone like Tony with us to help orchestrate those moments as we go in and out uh, that emphasize with modern and older music as to what's going on in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And right now, Tom, you stand before your God as someone who has. Think of it this way: You're not being. It's not punitive. When I when I tell you that if you're a pastor and you fall away from the standard of of leadership, uh, the the confusion lies in Christians going, "Well, shouldn't we forgive?" Absolutely, but this kind of Earl Scheib, uh one day paint job mentality is great for a car but not for restoring a pastor to leadership. And that's become kind of the, uh, the set pacing. Well, if you give them a year off and we kind of brush them up, get the dings out, repaint them and put them back behind the pulpit, everything's going to be fine. But I'll tell you something. My, my producer, Neil, I thought about ministry at one time. Not a, not a good enough guy. Knew it right out. He's just not a good enough guy. And, and knew that all it would do is bring problems to God. And so if, if you're, if you're going to stand before God that way, Tom, and lead people, you, you've, you've got to be in a different category, and you've got to be created for it. Now, Paul, had, Paul knew this. Paul knew that, there, that if there were any problems, he would be disqualified. Listen to his words in 1 Corinthians 9.27. He said, I discipline my body. I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. 
And that's, you know, with the context of Paul, obviously that's dealing with sexual sin and the concern of that being a problem. And you, you in that moment, when you had that affair, you in that moment said that that woman, that orgasm, that sexual contact was more important than your wife, than your own word and commitment and your God. You forfeited. You made the decision, you. God told you what the rules were, and you agreed to them. And you forfeited that. I hope it was a great orgasm. Because that was, that you forfeited that. You gave that up, and you walked away from it. Now, that doesn't mean God hates you. God still loves you. The church wants, uh, loves you and wants you in the church. But this kind of revolving door can be a problem, especially to non-believers. And, and believers just end up going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they hear the, the, the teacher uh, at the pulpit and they go, oh, well, it's not a big deal. you know. And it's not that you can't be human, but you've got to be above reproach. You've got to be standing above those things. You have to be a good husband and a righteous man. And that's the, the core problem with the church is that they look for dynamic speakers, good writers, somebody who can publish books, someone who can sing well, play guitar. And, that's, and none of those things are mentioned in Scripture. None of them. And yet you gave Peter a second chance. Though, it's not about that. second chances. Peter, Peter denied in fear. But Peter didn't, in that state of authority, sleep with someone. Sexual sin, you know this, in Scripture, is set apart and is a sin against the body. And, the, and culturally, that tends to kind of fall by the wayside. You can look for excuses, Tom, uh, yeah, and you'll find them in every nook and cranny of life. You will find... And I know that the assumption is, oh, well, you know what? There's this, this show they call the Jesus Christ show. They've got to have liberal theology. No. That is, the, that is the one reason why I'm here is in hopes of, one, letting the legalists that are just, uh, you know, trying to, to crush the, the spirit of Christianity know that I'm out there watching, and, two, to let the, those that are liberal in their theology, know that I'm out there watching. Well, I always used to say an excuse is only a skin of a reason wrapped in a lie, so I'm not looking for any excuses. And that's a beautiful way to say it. You've got, you've got your lovely wife who has, yeah. been, who has been wonderful enough to forgive yeah. you through all of this and to stand by you. That's amazing. You should be received into the body, and uh, you should participate in the church and, and enjoy the church and uh, be... Uh, brought back into fellowship. But not as a pastor. There's nothing in Scripture that's going to say that. Nothing. And I know that's hard line, and I know people will have problems with it, and people are going to say, but I went through this, and now I'm a... But it doesn't matter. If, if you do that, in that moment, you tell God, I want this instant. I want this 
romance. I want this physical sensation. I want this more than I want you and this position that you called me to. And you, and you give it up. You had the strength to not do it. And you chose not to. There's a lot of sins you fall into in life because they're around you and the way it, it is and getting upset. I mean, if you were dealing with, with uh, uh, certain other attributes, it's not like uh, you were gluttonous and you've lost the weight now. The, this, is, this is something specific. And I know that that stinks and it's not what you wanted to hear, but I, the, the reason why you should seek leadership, the reason, reason why you should seek God is because you respect it. Not because you're good at it, you're comfortable doing it, or you liked it, and you uh, received a lot from it, and people seem to like when you... That's not it. I see these little, these small little churches, Tom, with 20 families in them, and the, 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 the pastor doesn't speak that well, but boy, he loves God and boy, he knows scripture and they're small little churches. And then you get these slick churches and not all the large ones are slick, but you know the difference. Slick churches with everything right in the end, everything's going smoothly and they get massive and people think that that's where God is because they're massive. Again, because I'm going to get emails people getting confused i'm not saying that a mega church or a very large church is, is not a church of god i'm saying there's a difference but to to just look at those appearances and say one's of god because it's large and one's not of god because it's small and all these different excuses people make about uh what a pastor should be and what it shouldn't and all of these things no scripture says and it's very specific and you knew that going into it tom and you could quote it to me today and you said for that moment, that time, however long the affair lasted, that it didn't matter. You said, I don't care. I want this and I want it now. And you got it. Thank heaven that, that your wife is a godly woman who allowed you back into the marital bed and in her life. You should count your blessings there. And it doesn't mean that you can't write about your experiences, that you can't use it to uh, be a teaching tool, uh, that you'll never you use any of your abilities for God is a silly statement. But you can't do that anymore. Because if you do that, you, as it says in Scripture, you crucify me twice. If you do that, you stand, and it doesn't show the glory of forgiveness. It shows that nobody's watching the church and nobody cares. And it's beyond just being human. It was decisive. Wouldn't you say, Tom, you made a decision to do that? Yes. And aren't you man enough, both as a human and a Christian, to receive those consequences as they stand here on earth? I would hope so. Well, then why don't you move forward with that? An opportunity doesn't mean it's a good one just because it exists. There are Christians that ask other Christians to do things all the time that may not be good for them. The hope is that you have your own set of tools for discernment 
and the ability to go, nope, this isn't right for me. Because, you know, one Christian can say, hey, you want to come over? I'm having a wine tasting. And it's not a problem for them, and it's not a sin, yet you're asking an alcoholic Christian, and for them it would be a sin to participate in. You, you, you can't slap the face of God on this one, Tom, and I know that's not what you were looking for, and you were so very brave and to, you know, to take the time and to call and to you know, share those things and to explain what you've gone through. Um, but I think that the church wavers far too much on certain things. And as I said, you know, my producer, Neil, couldn't live up to what it takes to be a pastor, which is why he's not. And why he's got to participate in a show like this to hopefully uh, show his own love for God. Susan, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. I just want to start by saying thank you very much for your show. I really appreciate it, and I learn a lot from it, so I look forward to it every week. Oh, you're very nice. Thanks for joining us. Okay, I have a question. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have uh, two parts to it. I hope it doesn't seem too foolish, but I wondered, the Bible says we are wonderfully and fearfully made. Mm -hmm. I wondered if there's any spiritual connection or significance to men and beards. Okay, and I have two questions, uh, two questions related to that. Number one, why did God create men to have beards? You know, he created, they were created that way when all they do is shave it off. And then the main reason is my son uh, decided to grow a beard, and I just thought, like most guys, he wanted to just give his face a rest from shaving every day. But when I asked him, I was very surprised to hear his answer. He said he did some research on it, and uh, in Bible times, the only men that were barefaced, as he says, were eunuchs and gays. And so he said, I will never be barefaced again. And I, I was oh, boy. very strange, and I was just wondering if you had any um, any thoughts on that okay okay. not true on a a lot of different levels uh, and there's so much unfortunately we're not gonna have time to get through all of it so I'll I'll, I'll cut to right to the chase that uh, the reason why there's beards is because the bodies are adaptable Uh, the bodies are adaptive to the their surroundings and body hair is part of that process Um, that's why you get you know what people call goose pimples or goosebumps and the hair stands on end stuff like that that is a reaction to the surrounding and your body adapting to it. And the little hairs on your arms, the hairs on your face are all there for protective reasons for different parts or different things that were done uh, uh, that were the roles of men and women. That's why there's differences there. Um, and, you know, women may carry uh, uh, fatty tissue in certain areas that men don't, etc. Some people would say, well, that has to do with the evolutionary process and all this. No, it's by design and there's specifics to it. Um, and uh, uh, biological specifics to it that uh, help the, with the individuals too. Um, aesthetics, there, there are aesthetic differences, just like you see in nature, um, specifically for the appearance of, uh, you know, if you see often the male of the species uh, often has uh, the, the really colorful plumes, and you'd think it would be the ladies, but uh, not necessarily true. And that's to attract a mate. And so there's certain things about it being masculine and being distinct from 
uh, the female that becomes attractive. It doesn't mean that a woman now likes a beard, um, but I will tell you this, that even women who like clean-shaven men um, like when a man has stubble sometimes, and it gives that look of relaxation and all of these things. So there's aesthetic things that, that go there. Scripturally, um, the reason why um, our Jewish brothers and sisters uh, would trim their beards, and now uh, the Orthodox Hasidic Jews and, and the like will continue with this process is because Leviticus 19.27, uh, specifically Leviticus 19.27, talks about rounding the corners of your head. So the beards and the sideburns were grown out, grown out, and uh, this part of the process of separating the Levitical laws were there to separate from the pagans at the time. And what the pagans were doing, um, the uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters wouldn't be doing. So they would try and uh, separate themselves from the things that were be going on in the day. Now, some of the pagans might have uh, and did practice in... Uh, certain things, uh, whether it be homosexuality or what have you. And um, so that may be where your son is kind of turning this up. Um, but uh, really, it's a, it's, a, it's a far stretch, and I'm not sure what your, uh, you know, what your son is protesting or what issues he's going through that he feels the need to protest uh, his sexuality or his lack of a certain type of sexuality or... I'm not sure what's going on there or what your son's going through. There might be, that would be a, a time for another discussion is my guess. But um, that's the biblical tie-in and then biological tie-in and all of that. And I hope that that helps. KFI AM 640 on demand. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.